the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, is it finally time to get to our message? Proverbs 11.29. We'll just get to where we get to today, okay? Just relax. We'll finish up next week if we have to. Proverbs, I'm pretty sure we'll have to. Proverbs 11, 29. Those who bring trouble on their families. Those who bring trouble on their families inherit the wind. (laughs) I've inherited a lot of wind growing up. I guess that's why they used to call me a windbag. (laughs) My mama, bless her heart, had two wild, rebellious young boys. I was the oldest, six years older than my brother, and she did the best she could. There's two major things. I mean, I'm sure she told us other things that we didn't listen to. But there were two major things that I remember, that I recall, that she always instilled in us. One was... Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. She was adamant about it. Another thing was, she said, don't get a girl pregnant before you get married. Well, one day when I was little, we was living in American apartments. I was probably nine or ten. And uh, I was running around apartments. And behind this little back alley somewhere, there were some older kids back there smoking the wacky weed. I didn't know what it was at the time, but it smelled different. And they looked like they were hiding, so I thought I'd go tell Mama. (laughs) I thought Mama would say, you know, that's that's good that you didn't do that or something. No, Mama called the police. (laughs) Mama don't play. That's what we call the police down here in the South, the police. Mama called the police. That made a big impression on me. Why? Because Mama backed up what she believed. She... (laughs) She, she wasn't just kidding about it. She didn't like drugs. She didn't want us to be involved in drugs. She called the police. Of course, they were gone by the time the police got there. But it made a big impression on me. You can imagine several years later when she was going through my jean pockets and she found a bag of wacky weed, what she said. But we'll get to that before we leave today. We've got to get on with our message. We're starting a new series called... The survival, the family survival kit. The family survival kit. Keeping us together in turbulent times. Today's individual message is entitled, The Ten Commandments of Family. And that's on your sheet if you're following along to fill in the blanks. Today's message, The Ten Commandments of Family. Now you know any family teaching is going to have to hit a few major points before it starts out, so I'm going to hit them quick so we can get on with it. Because most of you probably already know this. So here, listen up quick. Listen, are you listening quick? Husbands, love your wives, Ephesians 5.25. Wives, love your family, respect your husbands, Titus 2.4. Parents, love, teach, and protect your kids, Deuteronomy 6.7. And children, obey your parents, 6.1. You are dismissed. <laughs> now that's going to be just about in any family teaching, right? 
Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Parents, I mean, uh, kids, obey your parents. Basic teaching, you know all that. But it's easier said than done in the society that we're living in today. I don't know, maybe in the, on the plains of Kansas somewhere back in the 1700s or 1800s, I guess it, there probably was nobody there in the 1700s, but in the 1800s, I just don't imagine it being as hard as it is today for the family to stay out of all the stress and the, and the entanglements that the devil has. All the traps. I believe that we're living in the final times. And I believe the devil knows his time is short and he's throwing out his biggest bombs at us today through the media and and all the things that's going on in the world. Does anybody else agree? It's an attack on the families. In a Pew Research poll, and this was back in 2014, about three years ago. I imagine it's worse than this today. It says only 46% of American children live now in a traditional home where they have their original mother and father. So that's less than half. In other words, the devil seems to be getting the edge on us. It wasn't like that so much longer ago. But the devil, you see, he's doing his level best to destroy the family because the family is at the nucleus of all that God plans for humanity. The family is, I mean, that's base stuff. That's where everything begins. When you break down the family, you have pretty much won. And we see what's happening in America today. So, (coughs) excuse me. Now, when I preach on family, I realize that everybody in here at some point is going to be convicted. Some people are probably going to get mad at me for saying it. But nonetheless, we still have to, to go over these things. Listen, when I wrote this sermon... It was like, ouch, ouch, ooh, ow. It was hard just for me to write it down because I have experienced all of this on some level like you probably will have. So when I say these things, and if I make a joke or something, listen, it's not that I'm making light of anybody's situation. I'm just trying to help you swallow your medicine, okay? You know, sometimes you just got to laugh your way through that valley, Right? Okay, so you understand, I'm not making light of anybody's situation. I am in there with you. None of us have got it all figured out because the devil has been working. And guess what? Your family is not the first to experience dysfunction. (laughs) I'm not kidding. There was a snake moved in the garden, started making eyes at Eve right off the bat. He's making his move on Eve, and Adam's just sitting over there chilling. <laughs> Later, their, their oldest son, Cain, kills his brother, Abel. That's a little bit of dysfunction. And the King James says, and wherefore slew he him? <laughs> if you've been going here any time, you know I love the King James. <laughs> Noah. How about him? He was declared a righteous person. He was saved out of all the people on the earth, eight people on this ark. God wanted to start off with Noah. You know, we're going to redo this thing. Noah gets off his carnival cruise and gets drunk. (laughs) Soon as he hits the ground, he gets plastered. One of his boys comes in there and laughs at him, and, and Noah curses his own son. Dysfunction. 
This is starting all over. So, you know, that to start and then to restart, it's been messed up. Sarah encouraged her husband Abraham to impregnate his, her own maid. You see, the Bible doesn't hide anything. We see the good and the bad and the ugly. And it's all for our admonition. It's for us to see and learn from. God doesn't hide the things. We're the ones that try to hide everything. Jacob, he bought his uh, youngest son, Joseph, a designer coat. <laughs> Made all the brothers jealous. They tried to sell the boy on eBay. It was bad. <laughs> King David had a fling with his neighbor's wife. Turned out pretty ugly. Solomon, reported to be the wisest man on earth, had 700 wives. <laughs> Doesn't sound too smart to me. He had 300 spares they called concubines. <laughs> this is the one that gets me. Mary and Joseph misplaced the Son of God on a road trip. God's like, I asked y'all to do one thing. <laughs> what in the world? The moment Eve looked into the eyes of that hissing little snake, things got wackadoo. It's been wackadoo ever since. Is there anybody in here who says my family ain't wackadoo? <laughs> you probably don't need to fit in with this church, you know. So there was a curse upon man for sin. Eve's curse that, was, uh, that she would have pain in childbearing. I think it also implied she would have pain in child rearing too, you know. And the, the man's curse was that the ground would fight against him and it would be hard to provide. He would have to work hard to provide for his family. Has anybody experienced these things? Pain in child rearing and bearing and, and hard time meeting the bills and paying for everything? We all are in this together then, right? Go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Remember the title of today's message. The Ten Commandments of Family. We're going to read the original Ten Commandments that God gave in the, the Old Testament. Now, I know we're no longer under the, the law. Christ, you know, fulfilled the Old Testament and our new law is to love one another, but, you know, not a dot or a tittle or a jittle or whatever they call it will be uh, removed from the law until he comes back. So this is, this is uh, if God said it back then, these are still wise principles from which we can live by. It's not how we get saved by being good enough and obeying the Ten Commandments, but these are still wise principles. It's, you know, it amazes me that, People go around saying that God's just trying to keep me from having fun. God is a bunch of do's and don'ts. No, God is just a loving Father saying, don't touch that hot stove because it will burn you. Exodus 20, verse 3. God says, you must not have any other God but me. And he's a little G God because there is no other big G gods. He is the only God. But people make for themselves idols and gods. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am jealous. 
I am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other little g-gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children, and the entire family is affected. So you don't think teaching on family is very important? Do you want your children to experience the same things you've experienced, or do you want better for your children? Even children in the third and fourth generations are those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Verse 7, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. We know that Jesus is our Sabbath rest now. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day And he sets it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother. You will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God has given you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. So let's examine these Ten Commandments. This is the wordier version. I'll kind of condense them. But we'll go through these Ten Commandments and see how they may be applicable. Did I say it right? I don't know why I keep putting myself through that word. (laughs) Applicable. Applicable. You'd think a country boy like me would just say, it might fit. How this might fit and correlate to your family life. All right. We're going to start at the back, and we're going to work our way down like David Letterman countdown or something, all right? Do not covet. How does that apply to a family? Well, I think in a bunch of ways when I got to meditating on it. He says, don't, you know, don't covet your neighbor's house. Well, what does he mean there? Well, it might be trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, we've got to have a house like your neighbor. You know, your neighbor's got that 70-inch TV. You only got a little old 65-inch TV. <laughs> you know, your, your living room's only 12 by 12, but you got a 65-inch TV, but that ain't good enough. <laughs> I mean, you got to climb over the TV to get into the living room. <laughs> or your neighbor's got one of those new cars with the heated steering wheel. You're still driving that Datsun B210, you know. (laughs) So you're trying to keep up. Meanwhile, you and your wife or you and your husband are working two jobs apiece, trying to pay all the bills that you've done accumulated, trying to live up to some standard that, that the commercials tell you you have to enjoy. What stresses out a family more than owing a bunch of money? putting yourself in debt, trying to keep up with the Joneses. I'm I'm preaching real good. God says his 
His burden is easy. But if we're stressing out over things, then we're doing it wrong. We probably need to evaluate. I've often said we need to have a garage sale of our lives and get rid of the things that God never told us to be there. If we're listening to God, he'll keep us. If he's in the center, our wheel will spin the way it's, it won't be wobbly. And we'll be able to uh, pay the bills and smile at the end of the month. And another thing that I hate to see, and I'm sure you've experienced it or seen it yourself, brothers and sisters fighting over who's going to get dad's lava lamp when he dies. You know? It's like they'll, they're brandishing weapons and stuff. You know, I put my name on that, you know. And this is at the funeral. And it gets worse from there. It, 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 like I said, I'm making light of some things because I know some of you have been through this and it's, it'll rip your heart out to lose family over stuff. But that's part of coveting. So it does matter in the family, doesn't it? Family's stressing about all the wrong things. One of the things I was mentioning, what I was going to talk about, and Angie helped me with a few things. One of the things she says is, is looking at Facebook and seeing some other family's highlight reel playing all the time. Well, their kid's getting an award, and my kid's barely making C's. Yeah. Well, look at them. They look so pretty in their picture. They're all smiling. I can't even get my kids all together in the same room. <laughs> you don't know what's going on in that, that family's life behind the scenes. Somebody might have a gun on that family to get them all there in one picture. <laughs> the woman might be on seven pain medications, you know, and somebody's propping her up behind her, you know, and the, the husband's... Cheating on his wife with four other people. You don't know. You're just seeing their highlight reel. But we're trying to keep up with the, and try to outdo these people. I'm glad I go to a church that, that has real people in it. Or else I'd really feel bad. <laughs> and I'm the pastor. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Why ain't I happy like they are? They're going through the same thing you are. I can guarantee it. You can put a good foot forward and... And I hope your, your Facebook page, uh, pictures look nice. I, ho I hope they do. I hope everything, you can put a good foot forward. I, but just don't get stressed out about it. Why did my kids win a award? Another thing it says is do not covet your neighbor's wife. Or we could say don't covet your neighbor's husband. It goes both ways, right? You know, it's natural for the human being to always want to get bigger and better and stronger. And fat. But when it comes to your wife or your husband, you've already made your choice. And if you're always thinking that the grass is greener somewhere else, then you're forgetting your vows. The grass can get greener at home if you would tend it a little bit. <laughs> Where did that come from? Punching myself in the gut. Oh, no. <laughs> Proverbs 5, 18. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always, say always, always. be captivated by her love. 
Once you make that decision, you got to live by it. You got to make the most of it. If we spend half as much time investing in and thanking God for the things we do have as we do daydreaming about the things we don't, our reality would far outdo our imaginations. The things that you wish you could have, and you're, I, I, I know if I had that woman, I, I would have this, or if I, I had that family's car or this house or whatever. If we would spend half as much time appreciating the things we have, we would have contentment. Uh, isn't it James that said godliness with contentment is great gain? See, that's getting back to the, his burden is easy, his yoke, or his, I get that mixed up, his, whatever's applicable. <laughs> Look, there is a simple life a godly life of joy and peace. You're not going to have joy and peace if you're coveting everybody else's stuff. And your family is going to suffer trying to keep up with the Joneses. Be yourself. Love your wife. Love your husband. That's, that's, that's a good teaching right there. All right, the ninth commandment, do not lie. Back when uh, my children were small, there was a rule I had in the house. You lie, it's an automatic whooping. Oh, I believe the rod will drive the foolishness far from the child. <laughs> Not to beat them, but to correct them. I told them, look, if you did it, admit it. Don't come to me lying saying you didn't do it because that's an automatic whooping. If you would admit it and tell the truth, stand up, there's a good chance that, you know, I might not beat you as long. <laughs> no, I didn't beat my children. Take that off. That's not applicable. Anyway, Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hates its victims. You don't hate your children. You don't hate your spouse. Stop lying. And flattering words, or in other words, words that ain't exactly true, are a ruin. When you lie in your family all the time, I know a lot of children are not taught not to lie, and so when they grow up, they continue to lie, and they lie just... Sometimes we lie out of convenience. Sometimes we just get in the habit of lying. But we destroy any foundation for a family and the kind of relationship you want to have with your family by telling lies. Why? Because nobody is going to put their trust in you when they know you're untrustworthy. They can't give you themselves like they want to because they don't know what you're, they don't really know where you're standing. You're a moving target. You lie. See, my problem is joking too much. I've got a sharp tongue. I'm going to tell off on myself. I've got biting humor, and I will say things that I really want to say without, you know, letting my filter take over. And I'll say what I want to say and then say, just joking, just kidding. You ever do that? You stab them in the heart. Ah, just kidding. <laughs> and that's like what we do. Our words can really damage and hurt. I don't know why Angie is still with me <laughs> over the years because I... 
I'm still struggling with this one. Saying whatever comes to my mind and then saying, just joking. I've been in a doghouse many a night, <laughs> you know. Another thing, don't keep secrets from your spouse. Some of you got a secret bank account that your spouse don't know about. Or you meet with your buddies on Thursday night and she thinks you're, you know, working late. Or you got these little things going on. You got stuff hidden in your closet or something. You're still smoking and, you know, when you're not at home or whatever. These lies. I'm not saying when you leave here to go home and tell your wife everything you did back before you was in college and everything. Some things are better left unsaid. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's from now on. In the, in the day-to-day, begin to be honest with one another. You've got to have a foundation from where to build the relationship stronger. Um, do you tell your kids, do as I say and not as I do? Well, I mean... Uh, if you're going to do it anyway, it's better to tell them that than not to tell them it's okay, but that's not the best way. Because it rings of a lie to your children. It sounds like a lie to them. You said not me to do it, but you do it. You tell me it's not good for you, but you're doing it. We're to set a good example, right? Talking about breaking those vicious cycles. You remember, it'd be passed down to the third and the fourth generation. Sins of the father and the mother. They're passed down. Your children are going to try to be just like you until somebody breaks that cycle. That's why we come to church. That's why we're trying to change ourselves. That's why we're open with our children and begin to tell them, you know, I used to do this, but I'm sorry. Or I used to tell you this, but I'm sorry I was wrong. You need to learn to apologize to your children. Just like I'm a pastor, and I'll tell you straight up, you need to be like the Bereans and check what I'm saying in in your Bible for yourself because there's things I may be saying now that five years from now, I'll realize I didn't have my theology all together because I'm a human like you. So be honest about your shortcomings and your failings, and be honest with your children. Don't lie. And say, you need to be just like me and you're doing all these things, but don't do this and this and this and this. Especially if if you've you've had a divorce or something and and you got children that you see sometimes or whatever and you tell them you're going to come get them at 4 o'clock or something, be there at 4 o'clock. Please. My daddy used to do that to me. I'm going to come get you this afternoon. I'd wait out there on the step till dark, waiting to go hunting with my boots on. He wouldn't show sometimes. It ripped a heart out of a kid. It, <laughs> it scars a kid to know that his parents lie and they can't be trusted. They begin to lose trust in everything. How are they going to believe God when they can't even believe par- their parents? You know, It makes it immensely harder for them to trust God. Let your words carry weight just as God's words do. When you're you're trying to teach them something, you know, don't set a false red line. Say, if you do that again, I'm going to whoop you. They do it again. I'm I'm not kidding. They do it again. You're making me mad. I'm going to whoop you. You keep on. And they just keep stepping across the line. (laughs) See, what I... I didn't do this right. I am the world's worst 
about telling my kids what they, what I do is they ask, can I do this, daddy? And my automatic response is, no, no, before they even finish the question, no, no. Well, I've already committed myself to an answer that I may or may not want to stick with. You need to think about what you say to your children before you make an answer. Say, hold on a second, let me, me and your mama talk. There's some wisdom before you make it, and then make a firm decision, because if not, they know that you can be persuaded for the rest of your life. You've got an argument on your hands. They are going to work you and work you, and you're going to wish you wouldn't have been saying, one, <laughs> two, and they're just, why don't we just mean what we say when we say it? Let our yes be yes and our no be no, like the Bible says. I know I didn't, you know, I, I haven't done that very well. Uh, my kids will argue with me about everything because I did it to myself. They're just being kids. I wrote this, and this is on your sheet. One little old lie. Just get caught with one lie, and it'll erase a thousand truths. You can tell the truth all the time, but they catch you in one lie, then everything else you said is out the window because your character is on the line when you lie. And one lie always leads to another. Isn't that true? If you say one lie, you've got to tell another lie to make sure they believed it. And if lying is part of your normal repertoire, then you may be living a lie. Y'all love my big words, don't you? <laughs> the pastor guy dictionary. <laughs> Look, some of us begin to live a lie because we, we tell so many lies, we begin to believe our own lies. Man, I, I have seen it, especially in the DeSoto County jail system. You, how many of y'all are guilty? Not a hand in there a raise up. <laughs> it was the judge. It was my mama. It was the policeman. It's everybody else's fault. The very intimacy you crave with your family hangs in the balance. If you're going to be intimate with someone, you must be honest with someone. Don't lie, and don't listen to the devil's lies. We ain't got time to go there today because we're talking about us lying. But every, every problem in your life and in your family, every area where you're really suffering, you can trace that back to the place where you believed a lie instead of the truth. You operated on a lie that you were told instead of beginning to do the truth. If you will do God's truth, you will stay out of error. You'll stay out of the ditches. Many times I, I counsel with people. I'm always wanting to know how you grew up, how your parents were, what kind of family relationships you had, these kind of things. Because we begin to, to take a, a backtrack and we begin to realize where we got off course and why we got off course. Then we can get to the root of the issue of why you're being like you're being and why you have been deceived. You can trace the truth all the way back, or the lie all the way back to where you got off track. The devil is a liar. Jesus is the truth. Truth, enough said.
Which one do you want to be like? Oh, well, I guess we probably ought to stop there today. I know it just seemed like I just now got started, but we had a lot of other things to do. Huh? You want to go one more? All right, y'all didn't drive all this way for nothing. Get your money's worth. Number eight. Do not steal. Steal from, I mean, I can picture, you know, some drug-addicted son stealing from his grandma's purse or something, you know. But what do you mean don't steal in the family? Nobody's stealing in my family, right? But what about stealing from your children's dream to pay for yours? Huh? As Gary would say, huh? (laughs) Or as Becky would say, ha! (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah anyhow. (laughs) Dude, that, that cuts me like a knife. I'm living my dream. And I ain't got a penny in the bank to pay for my son or my daughter's college. I'm just telling off on myself. But at some point, we got to realize it's not all about us. We had our shot. Now your shot may be different. Your new shot might be helping your children to get to their dreams. Right? What about stealing their innocence, your children's innocence, by subjecting them to too much too soon? That's stealing. Stealing your children's innocence. I hear people say, but but they're going to find out in the real world. I want to toughen them up and get them ready. Listen to me. Let me plead with you. Your children are children. They're immature. Their thinking ain't ready for that yet. There is a certain age where they begin to, to see the real world. But until then, you've got to put them in some boundaries and, and they've got to know the real before they'll even recognize the unreal, the wrong. If you give them the wrong too soon, they'll think the wrong is normal. You've got to show them what God wants. That way, when they get into the world, they'll realize this is wrong. You can't fill them with fear and all these things. They're not capable of handling it yet. Let your children be children. Woo. They got plenty of time to experience the real world. All right, what about robbing them of their hope with your negative attitude that you developed because of your past failures? Your children's like, well, I want to be uh, an astronaut. Oh, kid, you ain't going to be no astronaut. You got to go for 18 years of college. You got you to do 800 push-ups. You got to do all this. I, I couldn't even be a medical assistant. I couldn't, I couldn't even, I tried this. It ain't going to work for you. I know, do you realize how crazy that sounds? Somebody was an astronaut. Somebody made it. Somebody's parents believed them. All things are possible with God. Don't rob your children of their dreams because of your past failures. Don't steal your brother's sanity like I did. (laughs) My little brother Heath, six years younger, I'd be sitting on the other couch. We'd be watching TV. I'd say, 
Heath. He said, what? None. <laughs> Heath. What? None. This would go on for hours. Until the boy finally lurches off the couch and comes to swinging at me. Then I'd hold him down, you know, and say, boy, 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 you know, in his face. Because I'm six years older. Don't steal your brother's sanity. <laughs> and fathers, it says, don't pro provoke your children to wrath. Fathers can do the same thing. Why? Because men are aggravators. <laughs> Where's Bill McCall? I didn't mean to call anybody out. <laughs> I love Bill. <laughs> Stealing our children's right to follow their dreams and not ours. I played baseball. You need to be playing baseball. We're projecting our wishes on them. I didn't make college, but you're going to do it. You know, I'm going to teach you how to do the thing I couldn't do. But God's got them going a different direction, and you're trying to force them to be you. Let them follow their own dreams. Don't steal their childhood by trying to make them grow up too soon. We already talked about that. But don't steal their future by not letting them grow up at all. If you have a 40-year-old kid living in your house, you may be their problem. Y'all still love me? <laughs> Don't steal that last bowl of ice cream. And I know who you are. <laughs> Stealing in the family. Don't steal your spouse's self-esteem, their self-worth, by expecting them to live up to unrealistic standards of beauty or ability. They are who they are. Love them accordingly. God loves them just like they are. Don't steal family time because you're too busy. Don't steal from the family bank account to pay for your addictions. There's all kind of stealing going on in the family. Here's one. You're stealing what should be cherished family memories by being a butthead. Have you ever noticed on a... It only takes one person on a, on a road trip to mess it up for everybody else. Being a butthead. It's like everybody's in happy, getting, we're ready to go, getting in the car, and one person's back there, and you ain't gone two miles down the road, and everybody's like this. <laughs> it requires everybody to give a little bit. Don't steal the joy from the family. Which disciple ultimately betrayed Christ? Do y'all know? Judas? It was the one who carried... It was the one who stole from the family bag, wasn't it? Judas carried the bag, and he said he often took some of it for himself. Don't steal from the family. The thief comes but for to steal and to kill and destroy, John 10, 10. 
But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. So determine to bring life into your family. Try to make more deposits into the family account than you do withdrawals. If everybody will do their share, stop stealing all these godly things out of the family, your family will radically change. Well, you say, well, I do, but they don't. Well, just keep doing what you do. It takes one person at a time. Drag them to church and let them hear, let them hear this CD or something. It's on a podcast, by the way. I know I'm speaking fast, going through a lot of points. You know, our podcast are on uh, our website, www.mypassion.church. They're on iTunes at Passion South or something like that. Uh, they're on Google Play, so you can listen to them on your headsets or your phone. <coughs> so get them out and listen to them and try to catch up. We'll close for today. We'll come back and uh, we'll hit some more of this next week. Has this been good for you? Anyway, my mom's going through my jeans and she pulls out this bag of marijuana. You know what she said to me? She didn't say nothing to me because she didn't go through my jeans and find no marijuana. You know why? Because mama said don't do drugs. And I saw it was important to mama, so I didn't do drugs. I didn't get a girl pregnant before I got married. It's about the only two things I did right. But because they were important to mama, those were mama's two commandments. Mama, why didn't you give me more than two? <laughs> I drank like a fish. I did all these other things wrong. But the two things that mama told me to do is what I did. God has given y'all ten commandments. Right? So we're going to listen and we're going to learn from this, this series about the things to do and the things not to do. Romans 13, 9 says, For the commandments say you must not commit adultery. This is in the New Testament, talking about the Old Testament. You must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Or you could say to love your family as yourself. Now Galatians 3 tells us that the law, the Ten Commandments, was our schoolmaster to bring us to who? To Jesus. We understood that we failed at these things. We understood that we couldn't live up to the law and that we needed a Savior. So none of you are going to be perfect at these things. And if anybody's feeling condemned about the past oh, and realize that you've made a mess of all this, and like me, then go to 1 John 1, 9. It says that if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Your sins are forgiven if you've been born again. Cast as far as the east is from the west. It's about going forward. It's about where do you go from here? You know, the past is the past. You can't do anything about that. <clears throat> but anyway, the, the Ten Commandments was to bring us to Jesus and to bring us into his family because everything God does is a family. We're the bride of Christ, right? We're in a spouse relationship with Jesus. We're called the children of God. Father God, we're supposed to call him Abba Father, which means Daddy. We're adopted into the family of God. We are part of a bigger family. Family is ingrained in us. That was put in our hearts. And everything God does is in context of family. 
God knew we'd experience dysfunction, so he welcomes us into a larger and more eternal family so that we can have the dad we never had. You may have had the world's best dad on the earth, but I know a dad that's even better, one that can be counted on and will be around longer. He's eternal. I'll, I'll close with this quote. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.